you know, the, the first half I just felt we started well, but I just felt we, we could have been a little bit more positive and, and just be a little bit more aggressive, particularly with the ball. And, you know, I've got to temper that with the fact that, you know, we made so many changes and we're not going to get the same sort of fluency when you, when, you know, particularly, you know, when you're three, you're back four, you know, virtually starting for the first time. And, uh, you know, we, we've made couple of changes as well further up that it's not going to be as fluent but I just felt we could have been a little bit more uh, positive uh, particularly in the first half like I said second half I thought you know it, was, it wasn't too bad but um, there were just times in the game where and maybe because you know again like obviously we were winning the game and I think a lot of the guys in the back of their minds you know haven't played for quite a while so you know there was a little bit of self-preservation there to, to get us through the end of the game and um, so yeah, but again, it's, it's all understandable stuff considering, uh, like I said, the, the lineup we had out there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I'm your host, Andrew. This is episode 151. You can follow me at Aestetka, follow us at Tottenham Depot. And I want to let the listeners in behind the curtain. Uh, we recorded this week's podcast kind of in two parts. The first part you're going to hear is myself and Todd. We went back and forth following the Spurs men defeat away to Wolves on Saturday. Went back and forth about the game, kind of the week that was, uh, everything going on there. Uh, and then later on in the pod, you will hear myself and Caroline go back and forth uh, as well on both the men's game and the women's game, which happens Sunday morning. We recorded that uh, a little bit after the women's game wrapped up. So again, just taking you behind the scenes a little bit uh, as to what you're going to hear this week. Uh, The other thing is uh, in the first part of the pod with myself and Todd, you probably might hear a little bit of a chirp in the background of my audio had a little bit of a smoke detector problem going on Uh, that has since been fixed, but just so you know, you're, you're not going crazy with hearing a chirp in, in the audio. Uh, that is just on my end, and apologies for that, but it's pretty minimal. It shouldn't really bother you all that much. So uh, without further ado, uh, here is the podcast for the week. I uh, hope you enjoy. Again, be sure to uh, rate and review wherever you listen to pods. Subscribe so it downloads right into your feed, and uh, follow us at Tottenham Depot on the socials. Uh, here is the podcast for the week. Enjoy. Joined now by a man who is uh, still battling through it uh, after the, the week that was a lot right here alongside with me. He is Mr. TC at TC underscore Kasho. Todd, we didn't get to talk to you Monday after Chelsea, um, but 
now that you've experienced the week that, that was in Spurs and, and everything that we just witnessed uh, here on a Saturday morning, um, how you feeling, buddy? It's, it's, it's been a little bit. How, how you doing? Well, you know, any day, Andrew, that, uh, that we get to, to, to rap about our beloved Tottenham Hotspur is a good fucking day. But um, these are not very particularly good days in comparison to the days that we experienced over the first 10 weeks of the season. Um, this week is fucking awful, buddy. Like, I don't, I don't know what else you, you want to say. Like, you know, you're literally going from on top of the world, on top of the league to now looking squarely at, well, we're still good enough to be top four. Hopefully everybody gets back in time. Um, you know, this, this is tough, but I think that first and foremost, it's a different feeling than the last time that we pissed away, uh, a lead in the final moments of a game for me under Conte or under Mourinho. Um, and it's different because I believe in Ange. I believe in what we're doing. I believe in, in how we're approaching being Tottenham Hotspur. And I mean, it's Emerson, Dyer, Davies, PEH in this system are a fucking liability. P Emerson out of position. Dyer played better than most people. Anytime Eric Dyer has a decent game, everybody wanted, wants to jerk him off. I'm not that guy. Like I, 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 Eric Dyer needs to find another club. I'm appreciative that he's able to deputy, you know, deputize this position for the time being while Cootie has to sit. But this is not great, boss. It's, it's not great. So coming into this match at 4.30 this morning, local time, I said, oh, okay, we'll lose by a goal. That's kind of how I felt going into the match. And we lost by a goal. So um, the way that it happened was a kick in the dick, and I'm not going to lie about that. Um, but at the same point in time, when it, you're Emerson Royale and you're six feet off of the guy with the ball in the final moments of the match – trying to fucking protect a, a draw and you let him slide it in behind your defender. Like that's the way you lose fucking football matches, Andrew. So. I am so glad that I, I feel like you just let, cause you haven't been on the pod in a couple of weeks. You, I know you, you've been busy, which, you know, love travel, that for right. you travel. Yeah. But, but I love that you just came in with, with, with pure fire for like three minutes, two and a half, three minutes there. Um, Cause I feel like I needed that from you. I needed to hear that reassurance from you. I want to, I do want to talk a, a little bit at length about Eric Dyer um, because I'm, and I'm glad you brought his name up. Some of the other players you mentioned there too. I want to go back really quickly to what you're saying about, you know, kind of just the, the firestorm of, of, of this week in general, because like I said, we didn't get to talk to you after Chelsea and now after seeing what we saw against Wolves, um, I'm really heartened to hear you describe the way you feel about the mood of the club right now um because that's the way i feel as well with Ange. it's just a, it's a difference of 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 managers and you know i i went on for, for those of you who didn't hear I, I went and previewed this match um against wolves with a with a, a the whole lot of wolves podcast uh which which covers them uh, a couple of nice guys that I've, I've gone on to their pod a little bit over the past few seasons and the, they were so curious about that mood they were so curious about, you know, they were, they were asking like, it seems like you guys have a manager now and hearing that from a different club's perspective and, and fans that like support wolves. Like I had to assure them that, yeah, it does feel that way. And it does, that hasn't changed in seven days. Like, let's be honest. Like, no, it if hasn't we were, if it's been reassured, Andrew. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think that that's like, before we, 
before we look to the internet, which is the worst place to look for takes, like, because I'm <laughs> seeing a lot of, you know, Arsenal fans and City fans and United fans uh, and, and, and even Chelsea fans, God forbid, be like, oh, yeah, this is here, here comes Spurs. Like they go to the top of the league and like there's already those conversations, which and look, you know that I am not one to get fired up about like things you see on the Internet. Like I'm not that type. I don't get fired up about what the pundits say and what the Internet says. Like I'll have my opinions about things and listen to listen to the, the confidants like yourself and some other, you know, more intelligent voices around the game. But like I'm not going to go to the Internet and just read opinions and think they all are valid. But that's the kind of shit right now that I'm just not here for. Like, and it, I'm not going to let it bother me. But at the same time, I saw it already this morning after after this defeat. And I was like, I'm good, guys. Like, I had to check out of the Internet for the rest of the day. I just, yeah. uh, you know, and I probably will tomorrow and in the coming days. Because now going into international break, this is, the, this is what, like, just in terms of narratives of the season, this is what Spurs have to deal with now until they play another game in two weeks. And that sucks. But also... I'm very zen about it just because I do feel like if we would have take, go back to the start of the season, if you would have said that after 12 games, you know, you were unbeaten in 10 of them and you were in the top four, would you not have fucking taken that? Like, I think you would have. There, there, there were people that were saying a lot of people that were saying Spurs are going to finish in the bottom half of the table under Ange losing yeah. Harry King. Right. And, and so that's why like, <laughs> When, when, when Ange is asked about, like, oh, this is your first test, this is your adversity, da-da-da-da-da, and Ange looks him in the face and goes, mate, losing the greatest player in the history of this competition on day one of the season, you're telling me that this is the – and, like, just the way that Ange has the ability to keep everything in perspective. And, like, I, you know, I don't remember what pod I was listening to, but it was uh, – I, I think it might have been Big John Bass on, the, uh, on the, the fighting cock, but he just basically said, like, the reason that he loves Ange so much – is because Ange is going to do the most obvious thing possible. Like no matter what it is, like it's just the most like the most obvious thing. But like Dyer and Davies are second choice as center back, so obviously they're going to play. Udogi can't play. We're and Davies has to play center back. Obviously Emerson's going to play. You know, on the other side of the pitch, like um, Pea is the first midfielder off the bench, so Madison can't play. Obviously Peh is going to jump in the midfield, and like it's just like when you look at these things, you're like, okay, he's not trying to outsmart anybody. There's no wild fucking tactics that are going on over here. He's just following a philosophy. No matter what happens, this is the approach we're taking. Next man up. So the fact that we lose a match like today at Wolves. With the personnel that we had on the pitch when we lost, completely tracks for me. These are not Ange players. These are leftover squad fodder that are forced in to starting roles, given the injuries and, and suspension situation that we're in. And I think that throughout the 10-game unbeaten run to start the season and top of the table, I think we continually kept saying to ourselves, as long as this team doesn't suffer you know, massive injury blow, it can keep doing this. But the second that happens and the depth gets tested, the, the, the balloon's going to deflate a little bit. And I think we were well, all knowing, knowing of that and, and had to at least be, if, if, if we're being pragmatic about the season and not getting care. And look, we made all the jokes like, yeah, of course we're going to win the league. Like, and do I, was I like maybe seven or 8% believing that when I was saying it before? Yeah. Maybe I was thinking, Hey, crazier things have happened. Am I thinking that way a full week later? Definitely not. Like I, don't no. th I think I don't think this team can keep up with its depth throughout the course of the season, but it's not well, going to no, break my heart because of what was because of what we thought coming into the season. 
Exactly. And we said that the two areas of def- uh, of the squad where we can't suffer losses if we want to continue this run are the Mickey Vandevin position at center back and the James Madison position at creative midfielder. No question. No question. And those so, were the, the, you know, that or Romero maybe, but like, well, same no, concept and we took, as and we took all three of those fucking hits that in Correct. one match. And plus, plus, plus your left back, who's been really good this season. I just I wanted I want to say two things on the Chelsea match that I want to put it behind me like it didn't happen. The first thing that I yes, want to say please. is fuck Michael Oliver in everything that he stands for as an individual. The second thing that I will say is that um I fucking loved loved how Ange approached the referee decision and conversation. I fucking love it was from a leadership perspective. It was like the perfect tact to take in that moment. I because look, you literally have the entire rest of the coaching conglomerate in the Premier League with this cacophony of fuck you to the referees and the VAR system. And Ange is just like, listen, we got to be adults about this, mate. And how, how fucking incredible is that? It's so incredible. And listen, I, you know that you, you, you and I like to disagree a lot about officiating, about VAR, about a lot of this stuff. I, I have nothing to disagree with you about. I just have appreciation that you're bringing that kind of spice back to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it, truly. Thank you. But I, I can't really disagree with you on any of this. I thought Ange's, I'm especially going to agree with you on the Ange stuff. Like I, the officiating decisions, I've just kind of given up all like hope for any kind of normalcy or fairness in the premier league and shit's going to happen. You gotta, you gotta, you basically have to, in, in order to win the premier league or, or get in top four, you have to compete with all the other teams that are also trying to compete with just the, the, the chicanery and the nonsense of officiating in the premier league in this day and age. That aside, the Ange stuff totally agree with you. Like he, he continues and continues to just be impressive, which I'm, I, I think this this I'm, I've finally gotten to the point with this guy after, you know, more than a quarter of the season, you know, approaching the halfway point of the season as we rear into the holiday season. I'm finally like if the bottom falls out of this season and we actually do finish in ninth or tenth, you know, like the worst case scenario, I feel like that would be for, for a lot of people. I'd be like, OK, but we're still building something like I still feel like we are building something and I would I, like, would it suck? Would it hurt? Yes. But I'm also to the point where I can see bricks being laid and I haven't felt that way in three years. So I'm I'm back to being OK feeling that way. So for for me, if finishing there is a double edged sword. First off, that would mean based off of the season that we've had to this point, a third of the way through or whatever. It would, mean, the, it would mean it would really bottom really fell out. You're right. The wheels would have absolutely fall, fallen off, which. Yes. And by the way, by the by the way, I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to have a loser mentality. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. But you get one or two more injuries in this squad, like serious injuries, and it it very well could happen. It's not implausible, and I understand where you're coming from on this. Right? You lose you, and I don't even want to speak these things into existence. So I'm just going to agree with you. And simply, no, I'm I'm fine with moving on. I'm not trying to be. Look, I'm not trying to come. I, I want to make a point, and that point is is that I've said that, especially with the hot start that this team has a better chance of winning the league now than they do say next season, assuming that we qualify top four, because I mean, quite frankly, because 
we're going to have Europe and Ange teams to this point in time haven't done particularly well in Europe. But I think that if you give us the the opportunity again to have no European football with a, a fresh and rejuvenated team and in year two, which is where he always says that he has the most success, I think that actually puts us in a position to do the most damage. However, I don't know that Ange survives the bottom falling out that fast based off of the start that we've had. He's got a lot of goodwill built up, but if you end up losing 10 in a row, that goodwill goes away real quick. And I totally agree with, with, with like everything you're saying there. Like I, it would take the bottom falling out and I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting that, nor am I rooting for it. It's just my point. My grander point is we knew what the depth was on this team coming into the season. And we knew that that could be an issue. And in the course of seven days, it really became an issue. Like it really reared, reared its ugly head in it was one know, day. It was one day. Well, right, right. But but between the suspensions, you know, which well, yeah, obviously I mean, you're going to get Jogi back. Ball, right? so he's out next week, too. Right. He's he'll be out against Villa. So you're going to have to replace someone in the midfield there. You, you will have a dogie coming back, which is helpful, obviously. But you're still missing Romero for another two games, including Villa and City, which are tough games. I'm but, really surprised they didn't appeal that. I don't think I I don't think that they would have won an appeal. Yes, I know, but I don't think they would have won the appeal. I get what I get why you think that, and I kind of don't disagree with you, but I also don't think they would have won the appeal. You know, I, I just on that, I just want to know, like I understand that the reason why the card happened is because after he kicked the ball, he turned his foot out. That moment of petulance, that moment of Argentinian fuck you is the reason why I got the red card. And when you slow it down in slow motion or when Maybe. you freeze when you freeze it after he kicks the ball, but in the moment not a Chelsea player called for that. It if you just watch the tape play straight through, it looks like he 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 cleared the ball and then his foot where else is his foot going to go? Even if he doesn't turn his foot out, it's going to go into Cole Palmer's feet. So I don't really know what you want him to do in that moment. But I just I I just had to get that out there because it's like, I understand like watching back. It's like, fine. They, they carted him on that moment of petulance, but I feel like if you watch the whole thing in an appeals process, you're probably going to get the benefit of the doubt on that, especially with fucking city and Villa coming up. I, I kind of, it's weird because I do want to shift us talking into the wolf about the wolves game. And I'm sitting here thinking, I kind of thought this game was officiated really well today. Like I didn't think there was a whole lot of you know nonsense this, in this match this against Wolves. Punch in the face, non-call. But other than that, I agree. Yes, like, but but that's the thing. Like we can get somebody punched in the face and have it not be called, and that can be like a really bad thing. And that and we're looking at that as like this was a pretty good officiating job. Good job, Tim Robinson. I thought you were only a, a comedian, an American comedian actor, but you also uh, you know referee premier games uh, and do a decent job, I suppose. Can I get a Susan Sarandon autograph? <laughs> um so this game against wolves let's dive into this a little bit because i i think we i think the team was about as predictable as it could have been knowing that ben davis was back and able to play um I agree. were there any were there any surprises with you in the in the 11 that Ange went with because i didn't really think there were for me. the only surprise for me is that he played sar in a more advanced position as opposed to to hoybier or basuma that was the only one what did you think of that? Because I actually don't think Saar looked terrible in this match. I thought he was okay. He's not He's not James Madison, but that's kind of, I think, the role that he was being asked to fulfill. I was surprised. But I thought he did an okay job. Yeah. Uh, um, 
I was surprised that we didn't see La Celso earlier. We'll say it that way. I feel like the reason why La Celso's performance will be viewed largely as negative um, is because he was subbed on and Basuma came off. And so Hoybier had to go back to the six and it required La Celso to do more of that like intermediate eight as opposed to like advanced 10 roll. And that it's just not, that's the reason why everybody gave us also a bunch of shit going forward. I, I also I also feel like Lacelso is not a microwave. Like he I don't know that I've seen him come on as a sub and really change a game. I feel like he needs a little while to get going into a game, especially because he hasn't been playing a lot. And look, maybe there's a reason he hasn't been playing a lot. Maybe he just Ange is not fitting his eye, and maybe that's something that's going on. I, I don't maybe he's just not the player that some people think he is. I don't know what to think about Lacelso anymore. But being a, being such an Ange guy and knowing that he has a system and, and that the players are mostly all buying into the system when they're able to all play together and not off getting injured and suspended. But like we, we've obviously seen this thing work. And if LaCelso hasn't cracked in, I guess maybe there was just a little bit of a James Madison problem. But you would have thought, I kind of agree with you, going back to like looking at, at perhaps the surprise of the starting 11, is that, well, Maybe he's just not that guy. I don't know. He's not that guy. He's never been that fucking guy. And that's the issue. That's the issue yeah. is that I would rather, I would rather see Jamie Donnelly come off the bench and play the role that he's naturally built to play than G than Giovanni LaCelso. Now I think that coming back when we play Villa, I think Benton Kerr will get the start in that Basuma role. Cause obviously Basuma has got to sit. And I, don't I, know I, I tend to agree with that. So, which is, is, is right. nice to see. Um, I think the other thing is, is that when Basuma comes back with a healthy Benson Kerr, I think that allows us to sit Hoybier and play, let Saar play in that advanced role, or even let Benson play in that advanced role if we want to. And I've, that flexibility there gives us more of an opportunity to kind of be have more of a contingent plan in attack. I think that really breaks down. Like, dude, honestly, and, and I think Barty from the fighting, or from um, uh, uh, the extra the inch, extra inch um, I think he tweeted, like, the Bermuda Triangle of Possession was Dyer, Davies, and PEH. And it's like, that's not, like, I couldn't explain it uh, uh, any better. There's 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 one more there's one more player I'm gonna put into that category as well from this game, but I, I, I want to get to him a little bit more extended, and that's Emerson Royale. He was very very bad in this game and look i know he's playing on, on the opposite side that he's used to but like we've seen him make cameo appearances and in that role this year like coming off as a, coming on as a sub and look pretty good doing it starting from that role today oh it was bad 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 i want to i want to i want to double click on something you said about the midfield though like and moving those pieces around because it got me thinking and i'm, I'm i know there's like depth issues when you start moving a lot of pieces around the chessboard here but do you have any thoughts? Because I've I've heard this proposed mostly by our friend Dakota, like Kulisevsky or Heel in more of a midfield central role, opening you know opening up a spot for someone else on the wing. Look, Brian's a touchline winger. He's a touchline. I winger. think so too. Can't yeah. play him through the middle. Okay, Kulisevsky, you could legitimately play through the middle, but who else are you going to put on the right wing? Brian, perhaps. No, no, no. Brian plays on the left. Okay, well, then could you move Brendan Johnson over to the right? You could, but at that point in Just time, asking. I know well, we're moving. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. I get it. 
But no, no, no. But at that point in time, how much are you giving up defensively in the midfield? Because that's the thing yeah. that I think the reason why I appreciate SARS performance is because he was true box to box. today. And I mean, that guy was was doing double duty. And I respect the yeah. hell out of that. Now, the biggest issue that I think and, and, and honestly, I think that goes to the center backs like there's deficiency there. Like, he's got to he's got to play he's got to play a little bit more box to box a little bit more defensively even in that Madison role because you got to protect these two slower center backs slower guys than Romero and Vandeven. A hundred percent, and so that's got Basuma tracking back a lot. That's got Peh being a back passer, which is where he's most comfortable. And yep. like what that does is that just suffocates our attack because the what makes the and system effective is it's like uh, if for the UFC fans out there, it's like Nick Diaz punching. Right. It's that it's constantly in your face. It's constantly in your face. And it's a varying, um, you know, punching power varies throughout. It's not always 100 percent, but it's constantly coming at you. And then just when you're getting used to that constant barrage of jabs, that hook slips through. And, and just like that Brennan Johnson goal today, that is classic Ange football. And it was awesome to see. I was surprised that we didn't see more of it going forward. But I really think that I put that on the fact that Wolves realize that if they continually put balls behind Davies and Dyer, it's going to fuck up our attack. And that's exactly what we saw for the rest of that 90 minutes. No, there's no doubt about it. And look, credit to Wolves, by the way. I feel like Wolves is always one of those games, especially <clears throat> Wolves away. You know, you go to the Molyneux. It's a, Molyneux is a trip. It, it's, a, it's a trip. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting place. It's, a, it's, I, I, it's not even a bogey ground, I don't think. It's just, I think they always play teams tough at home i think they're they do, scrappy specifically for like i want to credit them yeah and i'm not trying to talk down to wolves either like wolves have have you know no. been in europe in recent years like they're they're, they're not a, they're not a bottom feeder i know they've gone through some tough times but like dude, but i can think to them of like, against a, a lesson side you know dude i can think of like a triore goal that was just an absolute yeah. banger to sting us in the middle of a champions league season for us and wolves finished like eighth i can think of getting undone by matt darty at molyneux in like a nice By the way, if you don't think uh, if you if you didn't think I was fearful of him coming off the bench today, like I definitely really? saw. God, dude, what are we talking about? Like, that shit happened. Right. I, I right, just exactly. I, oh, buddy. I like, mean, it wasn't really because of him, but still. Well, but I mean, like, at the same point in time, like I just look at what we have coming off of the bench, and it's the reason why. And I, and I don't think this point can go unmentioned. It's the reason why Ange was saying at the beginning of the year, like, we still want another first-team center back. And I'm pissed that yeah. Levy fucking went and, and, and bargain-shopped Ashley Phillips on, a mark, on, a, on an accounting technicality that got a, a $25 million talent for, like, $6 bucks, right? And, like, shout to you. Shout to you, Daniel. That you did a really good job of getting in a, you know, an, a, 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 an England international product but like for really cheap, but that's not helping our first team when Mickey Vandeven goes down. Like we understand what this is. Everybody fucking saw this as a whole. We were talking from the beginning of last summer, Andrew, about needing two center backs for the first team. And here we fucking are middle of November. And we're having the exact conversation that we were having in the middle of June when this fucking season ended. So, I mean, I I'm just over here wondering why we're on a podcast in America and we're having these conversations for a year and just having these conversations publicly in the media for the last six months. And Daniel Levy's got his thumb squarely up his ass when it comes to bringing in the things that we actually need for this team. We haven't had a fucking cam before James Madison since Christian Erickson. Like this is, th these are classic 
classic Daniel Levy gripes. And I think that ultimately Daniel Levy's failure in the transfer market, truly failure in the transfer market to not get good players, to not find good deals, but to plug obvious holes and gaps in a first team squad has led to the downfall of this team year after year after year. Well, I, I think that's pretty well said. And I think we, we know that I think the, the biggest, he does have the biggest part that he needed though, to, to start that journey of rebuilding. And you know, that's the manager and, and he's the one that's, that's filled us with the positivity. And now the, the rest of it's got to be built around him. And I think he's got seven weeks now, like in seven weeks that, that, that project can continue with some, hopefully some dealings in I know January is tougher than the summer, but I do, I do think this team's going to have to go out in January and spend a little bit of money to um, not to drag this team through the season, but like, I think, I think even in the first, you know, 12 matches of this season, we've seen like, oh, we got this one right. Like, this is not going to be, this is not a Nuno Espirito Santo situation that we've, that we've come into. Well, I mean, um, shout to Ange for his third manager of right. the month in a row, right? 100%. He's going to have a hell of a time trying to win a fourth, I, I guarantee you, but... Like I mean, maybe if he can drag, maybe if he can drag this team to like a decent, you know, rest of the month, I know granted, I think there's only two games left in there. It might only be one. I think the, it's I think one. it's just Villa left. Yeah. So it's probably be pretty Villa. tough. Yeah. Cause with the international just, break in there. Is the international break now or is it next week? Yeah. Yeah. We're into the international break. So the Villa game is not for another two weeks. It's Villa then city. So, um, Thank God. Oh my days. That gives us a chance. Yeah. It's a hell. It's and fucking actually spend some time with 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 our our players in the positions that they're going to be playing for the next couple of weeks no question this break oh. is helpful oh. it's coming at a great time hit the reset button figure out what we got get benton core like you said back back to fitness to hopefully be able to start you know look if he doesn't start against villa i'm not gonna blame him i get that he's still ramping up from a pretty serious knee injury but he's looked fairly decent in his in his cameos now um, and and, and I've, I've liked what I've seen. A guy in the squad. They all there's a there's a nice. It feels like there's a nice floor with him. Like the ceiling may not erupt at times, but there's a really nice floor with with a guy like Bentoncourt, and hopefully he can provide a little bit more stability in the midfield. Where you know you still have Basuma going off, and he's like you said, he's going to be suspended, and he's he's been a little less. I guess we can just say straight up say less good since the first maybe six seven games of the season. Oh, uh, his, his form is. You, you think his forms stayed the same since those first couple of games? I think that, I think that uh, we have a negative slant on his form based off of the accumulation of cards. I think if you remove the accumulation of cards, I think that you would look at his form in a completely different fashion. And the reason why I'll say that is because he keeps getting called for the same foul. And it's the pullback foul. That they're calling it every like, and it's you see him reach on that front shoulder, and as soon as he pulls the guy to move himself forward, the referee's blowing the whistle and throwing the car because he's coming at him from behind. So they've been telling him like, stop that shit, just run with the guy and step their foot in front. I think I was listening to Ryan Mason talk about it, and we'll see how it goes. So when you look at the foul that he got called for today, you're like, God damn it, here we go again. <laughs> so it, it, it's. I think that the two weeks and, and again, a, an additional third week off for Basuma is going to help. I think he'll come back a, a house of fire against City, which is if you had to lose him for one of these two matches, especially with the injury concerns that we have, like I'm happy it's for Villa and not for City. 
I would say that Sar has also perhaps dipped off a little bit. Again, we talked about the fact that he's playing in a not his role, essentially. He's trying to be James Madison, and he's not James Madison. And I don't blame him for that, but he's much better in the role that he'd been playing this season. Um, not that he was just fully trying to, you know, be the the James Madison player, but, you know, he's his role has had to change a little bit. No, dude, I fully disagree on that, too. He's played out of his fucking skin. If you think about the goal that, if you think about the goal that Brendan Johnson scored, um, not the, this one, but the, or I'm sorry, the Brendan Johnson assist, where it went the header to the Madison to the little touch to Sun. Um, was that the Palace match? Yeah, it was um, all started by Sar. Yeah, that was that was Sar's. Yes, like, he's been great. I'm not. I'm not trying to. That's kind of what I'm trying to say though with Sar. Like I, I'm not discrediting. I think I'm trying to really just exclude him from the the idea that you know what he looked like against wolves has been his form. Cause I think he was playing, trying to play something different. And, you know, I think he has been good, but it's, it will be nice to have Benton back in this kind of mix to, you know, just alleviate some of the pressure of Madison being out. Um, even though they're, they, they don't play the same exact roles. Do you want to have the Eric Dyer conversation or the Emerson Royale conversation first? Because I feel like we, 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 we touched on them both already, but like, is there anything more to say about either of those two players? Yeah, let's let's set the Emerson one aside. He was bad. Emerson is Emerson. Like he's good defensively on the right hand side, doing what Emerson does on the left hand side. He's a liability, and he still can't cross. So um, keep it moving. Uh, we we didn't we don't have to see him next week because uh, Udagi or against Villa because Udagi comes back. So let's have the Eric Dyer conversation. It needs to be had. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say other than thank you for your service. You like he and he he and by the way you didn't get to mention this and I didn't know if you wanted to mention it. I thought he was great on Monday against Chelsea in the cameo role. I thought he came in and really balled out and gave effort and looked like he was playing for the badge. And I will like tip my cap. Thank you for that. It, it resulted in a four, one defeat, not really his fault. He got pressed into duty and I thought he looked the part he does. He's just not able to play this high line. And it's interesting because in the pre-match, there was a conversation about, is Ange going to have to change his tactics with these two slower center backs, Ben Davis, Eric Dyer? We knew he wasn't going to. This is not what he's going to do. And, and I almost appreciate that he's going to go out there and stick Ben Davis and Eric Dyer. And I'm lumping Ben Davis in with Eric Dyer just because I think they deserve a little bit to be lumped in. Although I do think highlier of highlier. That's not a word. I do think higher okay. of more highly thank you i think more highly of ben davis because i think he shows a little bit of flexibility to be able to go out to left back and do something there at times in a backup role i'm not saying i want him playing every game but he at least well, shows me too i would absolutely choose ben davies over eric dyer yes 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 that's kind I, of what i'm trying to say for the last like four years bro like i like i i, I just it's the amount but, but what I'm trying to I think the point I'm trying to make though is that I I I I'm I appreciate Ange for just sticking these guys out there and showing everyone that this is what we have. Like this is what we have behind these two guys. It's no, it's, I, it's it's almost like a point to make. No, I well, I mean you could say And also that, what right? else could and also what other option does he have? Yeah, what is he going to do kids? like PEH in the Eric Dyer role as a you know to 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 try to you know do something different so cuz he's a little Some would say play kids. I mean, play kids sure, but clearly if Ashley Phillips was a, was ready to play in this match, he would have played. Like like maybe in 2 weeks. And by the way, that very well could that very well could happen in 2 weeks with it with an And this is what I'm saying. Like, you never if, know. You, if you're like, "Yo, that shit cannot happen again." 
and and you're like, listen, Ben, thanks for being you, but I need some wheels because Eric Dyer doesn't have them, right? Like Ashley, your plan. And we spend the next two weeks with Ashley passing the ball to fucking Bentaker at the six and having Bentaker do what Bentaker does. Like that, that is a, a positive position to take. And that's like how we as fans could rationalize what, we're potentially looking at in the next two weeks in a positive fashion, because if not for that hope, Andrew, then we're just going to see fucking Ben Davies and Eric Dyer run out there at fucking center back again. And we're going to hope for something different against a much better side, which sucks. I definitely think that's going to be the thing to watch over these next couple of weeks as to, you know, reports we get from training and whether or not Phillips or Donnelly or both are coming along. Cause honestly, like, wouldn't it be wild to just roll? Like we saw this. Okay. Let's try something different. I think Ben Davis probably would keep his place over Eric Dyer. Like we're, like we're both kind of saying, like, I think Ben Davis has more, a little bit more of a foothold on. Yeah. I can contribute here, but Eric Dyer. It's and again, position. I'm not trying I'm not, it's the position and it's the, but it's the style of play. He just does not have the pace nor the defensive acumen any longer to play at this level. Uh, maybe he could go to a, to a smaller club and still perform. Yeah, but I mean, he can for, he, for the, for the way that yeah, think, but for the way that Ange wants to play, he he's not a fit in this in this team. Well, no, but I mean, the thing is, is that he's not a a fit playing the way that Jose wanted to play, and he's not a fit playing the way that, that yeah, fucking you're probably right. He's not good enough to play in the Premier League as a center back if you're in a top half of the table. Like he's just not right. Yeah, I think that's and, where we are. Well, that's where we've been, and that's why like it's super frustrating to me. Yeah, but I agree. Same point in time. Ashley Phillips is not like Ashley Phillips is more suited to take over the Eric Dyer role than he is to take over the Ben Davies role because he's not left footed. Now, essentially what you're going to be doing is you're going to be rotating the possession, the player in the back line. Cause primarily if you can make it fluid. Yes. In that, like you're like looking at it going shit, I'm still going to be looking at either Ben Davies or Eric Dyer running backwards. And it's like, fuck, that is the last thing that I want well, to see. And th- but, but that's why you need to train a kid who's got more speed. You know, whether well, it be no, Donnelly or... or what I'm saying is you've got Ashley right. Phillips and you're like, but one of the things that makes Mickey Vandevin so special is that Romero's only two steps behind him. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, no question. No, no, there's, there's no doubt. Like, not only his speed. not only his world-class speed, but the other guy has pretty decent speed too. Yeah, and the other guy's pretty fucking smart when it comes to positioning as well. Because he's used to playing in a position-based system. And he always has been. So I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I look at this team and I go, I'm happy with Brennan Johnson. Ange player, the Ange player. Like, for me, Brennan Johnson is our left winger going forward. I'm happy with Sonny playing through the middle. Okay? I, I don't have a problem with that. Now, in this sort of situation where Madison goes down, do I miss, I don't know, the greatest striker to ever wear the badge and Harry Kane that could also drop back and be a 10? Goddamn right I do. <laughs> but especially over there in that freaking farmer's league, just lighting it up like I told you he was going to. I told you he was going to have 50 goals and he's going to. Anyway, I thought Kulisevsky had a really underrated game. I thought he was very, very good today. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I kind of agree. And if you look at kind of all the, the rating systems, he did not uh, statistically, you know, appear well, like as, as you know, some of the numbers would say, but I thought he was decent as well. I, I did. I'm glad you moved on to talking about the attack. Cause that was kind of where I wanted to end and talking a little bit about the Brandon Johnson goal. Um, Cause I think we've summed this game up fairly well. You know, it's just, it's a shitty way to go down and it, it, this is what's going to happen. Like, like, 
if you look at the game as a totality, like Spurs got an early goal and then kind of just didn't really play. Like go look at the XG. It's it's ugly. Like that was a that was a kind of an ass beating a little bit after about maybe the 25th, 30th minute. Like Wolves yeah, really started to get into the game. It wasn't great. Yeah, Wolves Wolves got into the game like in the second part of the first half and then kind of were all all over us in the second half for the most part. Um it was a barrage and it was not we were not getting a lot going forward. Um but it, in terms of attack, the Brennan Johnson move was great. Poro with the cross and like that was all it like you said, it was early and it was wonderful and it was like, "Oh, no problem. Like we we got this." And uh and then you kind of started to see the 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 cracks in the in the wall but as for the attack i'm glad what you said about kloseski i thought sun got a lot of kind of undue strife after this game just because like he we saw this a lot when when harry kane was was playing through the middle as, as striker for this club for years like if he didn't get a modicum of service he was not going to have a good game like he couldn't just go get the ball move it up himself like he needed some help from his midfield, from his wingers, from someone, and no one was helping Sonny today. Like he just got lost in the sauce. Yeah, I mean, I think that you, there's a combination of a couple of things, right? Like you're way more likely to double Sun with Sar on the ball than you are with yes. Madison on the ball. No question. Madison, no question. Just go upper ninety on you if you give him space. And Sonny, you know, and Sar will go upper ninetieth row as we've seen him do a few times. And, and, and so, and you know, know what? And you know what? He didn't do that today. To 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 his credit, like I did, I don't can't remember credit. an instance where he just blasted one. I thought he was no, no, no. Good. He, to oh. his credit, I think he did exceptionally well for the role that he was asking to be played. Um, I think that uh, I think it was Celso had a shot late that Sar pushed over the bar, but like it was it was going top V. Um, so I don't I don't know, man. Like I look at what we have over the next two weeks as an opportunity to lick our wounds a little bit to kind of reset and to say, okay, we have a little bit of time to kind of plan what to do, what our plan B is and, and practice our plan B so that when we get out there, we don't look like it's a plan B. And that's a very Ange thing to do. And yeah, the break will be helpful with that. You know, oh, I think it next week we would lose 3-1 yeah I, I think you're probably right about that because he needs the time to to get with these guys and like figure like it, this is this is like a new phase of the season almost honestly like we, we we had we had the first the first 10 yeah it's it, it's yes the next uh seven weeks or so are going to be you know very telling as to how the rest of the season will go and you know until you can get some action in january and maybe get start to get some guys back so hopefully that is the timeline that they're talking about Last question I have for you. Yeah. Do you recall Alfie Devine from Port Vale in January? Uh, you know, that's a, it's a good question. I, I think it depends on how these guys develop um, from injuries, but look, we, we've seen it's, it's a tough one. I mean, I don't know what kind of fee would be associated with that. If it, you know, not that money should be an object. Like if you need to, is that something you need to do? I think you, you do uh, go forward and do it, but, Sure. If, if if that's something, you know, Andrew's going to know best on that because he saw saw Alfie Devine, you know, in the, in the preseason and, and has seen him in training. Like, I feel like he he should know, is this a guy that I wanted for the future? Or did we send him out on loan like as a showcase for other clubs? So oh, I think it, it would well, come down to what how Ange thinks about him. 
No, and I, I think that this goes back to kind of the strategy of building with the kids. And one of the reasons why Ange came in is is because of, you know, and you see like Ange while being played all the way down through the system. Like, I think that Alvy Devine, this is following the path that they have for these guys. So like, keep him around the first team, keep him around the first team. All right, he needs a season of men's football, ship him. And so I think that that's kind of where we're at here. Uh, I imagine Jamie Donnelly to go out next year and do the exact same thing, but he is around the club right now. So he may get an opportunity is just kind of where I'm putting it. You know, the other thing is that I wanted to ask you about is the David Ornstein quote that came out this week. That was like, I don't know. Cupboards are bare in January. We're going to have to figure it out. And it's like, I don't really know how you can be the ninth, you know, whatever top 10 richest club in the world. And then tell me that, you know, they act like old mother Hubbard every January. I'm I'm not I'm not going to buy into any of the the rumors about what there is to spend yet. I mean it's it's still, we're still seven weeks away. I don't think there's any definitive like it's right player. You know, like if if the right player comes along, they'll I think they'll go out and they'll they'll spend money if they need to on on a player. Um, I have to believe that, or else what are, what the fuck are we doing? Like, are we not supporting this guy who's come in and totally revolutionized the way we feel about this club in 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 a few months? Like, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't put it past Levy to do that, Andrew. I mean, and I, only I, I, hear, I hear you, but 2017, 2018 coming off of a second place finish where we didn't spend any money for 18 months. So yeah, and I, you have, you have one you. of the greatest players in the history of your club and the best striker in the history of your club. And honestly, the best starting 11 in the history of your club, arguably, and you don't support them with anyone like to look at me now in 2023 and say, Hey, it's a different phase of the project, you know, stadiums built and paid for and la da 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 da. Like we've got Ange and Ange is doing this thing. How do we not support him? Like, dude, cause we I'm, bought I'm fucking say, Phillips instead of tap Soba in the summer. Right. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go back to what Daniel Levy said at that fan forum thing a few months back. This was, you know, part of the way into the, into the men's season, I think right before the women's season had gotten going and he talked about you know, he was really referencing Ange, but I think he was talking about both the managerial changes that were made and the style of football and the like he I think he used that phrase. We got our Tottenham back. And it was the way that he answered that question. And for people who, who missed this, like go back, you know, go back, just, you know, Google Tottenham Hotspur fan forum 2023. Like you'll find the video. It's a, it's a lengthy, like I think 45 minute to an hour might have even been longer than that. It's a nice forum. It was sunny and um, Levy and Ange and. Villaham and, and Beth England all on the stage answering questions, Q and a thing. But the way that he answered that question about this high, this like getting this managerial hire, right? Like he already knew, like I, he, it was almost as much as you're going to get Daniel Levy to admit, I fucked up with the last few managerial hires. And he said this time he, he, he said as much. And that's kind of what I'm hanging on to and believing he's going to get back to, to building something the way that, I don't know. I think this club, deserves and belongs to be built in and upward trajectory and I, I think there are a lot of fits and starts through that period of time between covid between the stadium between making a fucking champions league final and then like it, the bottom just falling out and panic and a, a lot of shit went down over the last five or so years that hopefully now we can just start to to, to build bricks again and and turn this thing into a, a, an actual winner and a steady winner and a steady champions league team that's at least what I'm holding on hope for. And that's, you know, I know it's the hope that kills you, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, you know, I have a hard time disagreeing with that perspective simply because I mean, to be candid for you, people were calling for Levy's head 
at the beginning of this year right or last year and that's and, and that's the other side like is he going to dare not support this thing after everything he's been facing in terms of public scrutiny like come on man it depends. He, he it depends. It's financially prudent or not daniel doesn't give a fuck like that's the that's the wild thing about all of this i is know that, that's the rub we're, we're, we're appreciative of him coming out and saying we got our tottenham back but like that doesn't make me think that he won't sell it on a fucking dime if the money's right like like i don't i, I don't trust the way that daniel does business so outside when it comes to the squad i'll say it that way because i think that that's what needs to be said i trust daniel to run a business all day long all day long now the emotional investment that goes into running a football club i feel like gets lost on somebody with his acumen and so it's really really hard for me to look at january with a, 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 a optimistically andrew i i hear you uh look if the if the listeners want to send me the meme of the joker putting on the clown makeup i i get it like that's fine. I, I can, I, I'll take that. Like this is this is me wanting to believe in something and trying to be positive and trying to be zen. Uh, and if I'm just a big dumb dumb who's falling for it again, that's fine. Egg on my face. Last thing I want to double click on, and I know we, we we've run a little long. We I, I want to get you going and get you on with the rest of your day. But the last thing I want to double click on is you mentioned Brennan Johnson, first goal for Spurs. I thought it was a great move. Loved it. Um, and you know, with the Richarlison news, which we haven't really even discussed, and him now having surgery and being out, because that came, that news came out after we recorded following the Chelsea match, um, he kind of just slips into that role for me, and I it, it kind of sucks for this guy because he obviously came into the club, he made that cameo appearance, he got hurt, he came back into the club against Chelsea, and then gets yanked off the pitch because of the red card, and it was kind of like the the un un unfortunate you know sacrificial piece from that match. And then everything kind of changes injury wise and he comes into a team that is not humming the way that the team had been humming for the first 10 matches. And I feel kind of bad, but also I've liked what I've seen from him for the most part. He was, you know, I think he suffered a lot after he scored the goal and after we looked so good in the first few minutes, he suffered a lot from just the way the rest of the team was playing, but he's been a, a, a somewhat bright spot for me. And he's a guy that Ange did target. So no, I'm more Ange's, like, he was the one. And ex so exactly. like, so I'm, I'm hopeful about that. Agreed. And when I look at the issues that I have with the squad today, it was obviously defensive and then position-based midfield. So I felt that, you know, as we've discussed already, if you don't have a possession-based midfield and you don't have creative midfield, then and you don't have your center backs, um, well, it's going to be a long day. So yes. it, we saw we, we saw moments of brilliance that I feel like when we're when we have more than four days to kind of figure out how we're going to do what we're going to do with these pieces that we will turn back into Ange Ball. Ange, Ange has made worse players than these run his system well. I think that he'll do that again with these players. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, man. Uh, anything else we needed to get to before I let you get on with your day and uh, and and move along to an international break and Villa, Villa on the horizon? No, man. I think uh, I think we've said what needs to be said here. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you for, for for hopping on. And uh, for, for those listeners, um, we're going to be back with Caroline in just a minute uh, in the second part of this pod. Uh, and we will do that right after this. I mean, we want to score more goals. We don't want to defend 1-0 and go for it. It's the same scenario as last week. But it's easier said than done to score goals. I mean, yes, Mass has a few really good chances. Where other... so yes, we want to do that. But it's a hard situation. And I think... 
in the long end we're going to do that, but we're not there yet. We're actually in this transformers thing where we actually dictate games, trying to do it, but we need one more step in the development of the All right, back in here. It is Sunday now. I've got Caroline with me. She is at CG Stefco. Caroline, how are you on this fine Sunday after we just finished watching the women 2011 draw? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, I feel like it's not that the sky is falling around the club, but it's definitely darkening, I suppose. <laughs> uh, kind of a, a tough weekend for results again, but trying to stay positive, you know, in light of the circumstances. Yes, in light of the circumstances, indeed. Um, let's start talking about the men's game because that was. You know, we'll go back to yesterday. We'll do this chronologically. Um, I kind of want to let you lead because, like, like the listeners already know, I've had a conversation with Todd about this, and I said a lot in the, in the first part of this pod. I want to let you, you know, get your your two cents in. Start start wherever you want when it comes to this game. I know, like, there's a there's a macro and a micro to this. We can take the the full view of the week that was after the fallout from Chelsea with the injuries and the changes. I don't know if that's where you want to start or if there was something else that stood out to you about just the way that that whole thing kind of collapsed at the end. Yeah, I think I'm just trying to keep some perspective because it's, I think it's pretty clear that with the injuries we have, it's going to be a rough few weeks. Um, Maybe that'll get a little bit better as we get, you know, some of the suspended players back like Udagi will be back next week. Well, after the international break, that is. Um, and then Romero, you know, he's going to be out a couple more games. But I just think we, for one thing, we need to be really grateful that we did pick up those early points um, in our, you know, really strong run, unbeaten run to start the season. Like those points are looking even better now, I think, because um, we really needed that cushion because, you know, ultimately we're going to end the weekend in fourth. It's not the end of the world. Um, and I think it was just very disappointing to lose the game in that fashion, you know, so late on kind of as a result of just, it felt like the players kind of had switched off. Um, and I do, I do kind of wonder how much of that is a little bit of mental fatigue kind of built up from having, you know, just a wild game against Chelsea, you know, what was that five days prior, not as much rest as they're, they've been used to necessarily. Um, and also just the burden of knowing, you know, they've got two key players out for the foreseeable future. And it's, I don't know, it's just a lot resting on the shoulders of these players who probably weren't expecting to be playing a significant role, you know, at this point. So it's, I think they're going to have to step up ultimately, and I hope that they do, but I, I'm trying to be understanding. (laughs) I think the one thing that Todd and I talked a lot of, uh, about a little bit was the fact that the international break kind of comes at a great time where you can kind of hopefully hit a reset button and and work your way into figuring out, okay, do we have a role for one of these younger center backs to maybe step in or do, can we mix something up in the midfield where maybe we can get Benton core more ready to start a game and, and, and slide into a role there and, and solidify that a little better there. There are certainly, you know, a lot of moving parts, obviously, with all the injuries and the suspensions and just the, you know, kind of, like you said, the chaos of the week. Um, so the, the international break does kind of come at that, you know, good time, I think. I'm, I'm interested, though, you, you seem kind of like I think I do like a little bit pragmatic about this. Like you, you're not you're not um, panicky. And for me, honestly, that comes down to just 
the manager. Like he's, he's, he's brought me a sense of comfort. And I, I, you know, I've spoken about that a lot already on this podcast, but even in previous weeks, is that where you are too? Is, does it come down to just having a sense that there's something building here? Yes. And also just the fact that it felt different than this kind of loss would have felt under the previous managers, because even though I don't think, you know, this rotated team executed the system quite as well, it it was still in effect. You know what I mean? It's not like we completely hunkered down the entire game. Um, I know Brennan Johnson talked in his, his post game comments about, the fact that they did, I think, mentally sit back a little bit, but you you still saw, you know, they were t- trying to maintain possession, trying to get things going on the attack, um, just not as successfully as we had seen earlier in the season. But, you know, the fact that I think Ange is so, like, wedded to his principles and he's not going to allow the team to kind of get stuck on one result either. Um, you know, they're going to go again next in the next game. Um, so, yeah, I do think that contributes to me not feeling as negative about it as I probably would have last season. But just to circle back to the whole international break, I, I've been thinking about it and I don't I haven't seen the full list of players that are going away. But I do know that, for example, one of the young center backs, Ashley Phillips, he's going out to play with the, I don't remember which England, you know, unders age group, but um, they're not going to be, you know, necessarily in training with Ange. So that's kind of a a downside. Um, And I think I saw Ben Davis for sure got called up. So that's kind of another bummer, you know, it really would have been nice for him to get some solid practice in with Dyer, but it kind of is what it is. And at, at the least, there are some players who will get some rest, which I think is definitely going to be needed after, you know, the past couple of games. Um, and then we just have to hope for no injuries from the players that are going out on international duty. Yeah. I, I appreciate you bringing up the Phillips. I had not seen that news about Phillips uh, going with the, I guess that would be the under 21 team. Cause I think he's, I, I don't, I don't know which team it is, but regardless that is, that is kind of a, an important note um, that I had not really thought about. I, I, for some reason, I'm just thinking of an international break as a oh, time for, to rest. But yes, these players, many of them actually do go out. I, I'm sure Sonny is going to be with Korea and so on and so forth. So it, it, that is kind of a, a little bit of a bummer at times. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, I think we're happy that the academy teams have been doing so well this season. But the, the flip side of that is that they're starting to get that, you know, attention from the international managers and getting those call-ups. So two sides of the same coin. <laughs> yeah, there's no question about that. Um, where else did you want to go in this game? I mean, there was a lot of, what about the changes? I mean, I, I, I mentioned with Todd that like, I wasn't that surprised by the 11, but at the same time, it wasn't, <laughs> it certainly was not going to like, blow my socks off regardless because I knew it was going to have to include Eric Dyer who I don't think performed well I I knew it was going to have to include Emerson Royale on the left which always makes me a little bit weary even though uh, you know I would note that he did have a couple of really good substitute appearances in that role um, over the last few weeks but he he wasn't it for me Um, there just there wasn't a lot going for this team coming in but what was your thoughts on the 11 in general well, it was pretty close to, I think, what would have been my preferred 11. 
you know, I was glad to see Davis starting and I actually do think he was one of our best players on the day. Um, the, the one change I probably would have made is I would really like to see Kulisevsky given a shot playing that 10 role. Um, Cause we've seen like tiny glimpses of it sort of at the end of games earlier in the season. Um, and I just thought Hoybier, he really had put in a good shift in the Chelsea game, which I'll give him credit for, but I think he did not look like he had, the gas to go the full 90 in this game. So I think having him available off the bench might've been a better option, um, especially because we saw the midfield kind of was the weaker area of the pitch, I think in this game and, you know, Basuma, especially, you know, he's going to be suspended for the next game because he finally got that fifth yellow. But even before the yellow, I felt like he, he just has not been the same the past few games. So um, it would have been good to have some some quality back up on the bench like Hoybier to to bring in. I'm curious if you move Kulosevsky into the 10 role, who are you playing out there on the right? Because, you know, I don't know that Brian Heal is is long for like being a starter at this point. I just I haven't seen enough from him. Um, obviously, with injuries to Richarlison, Solomon, I mean, I, I don't know who else there is right now that, that you're it's going to wow you. Well, I would have had hill but i think probably flipping him to the left and having johnson on the right um would have been preferable and i'll say when brian did come on i don't think he necessarily wowed us um but he i mean he's not had much game time period this season so hopefully he can kind of play a more important role but i guess that's kind of up to him as well but the yeah, other I, thing i would I, say is was also also really underwhelmed me when he came on. So I, I don't see him as a good option for a Madison replacement in the short term. Um, Cause I, I just don't see it from him, frankly. Uh, I, I want to make a promise to the listeners that Caroline had, has no idea what, what Todd and I discussed yesterday uh, in the earlier portion of this podcast, but you've just hit a bunch of different points that we both hit on, which I think is great. It, it kind of shows that we all have the, at least a, a little bit of the right idea here. Um, you know, you mentioned the move of, playing heel on the left and moving Johnson to the right. That was something that I suggested when we were kind of talking about some attacking options. And and then the other thing was a Celso. I, I don't think he's it. Um, and I think that this team in January, you know, this is kind of something that we were, you know, discussing as well is that January is seven weeks away. This team's going to need some reinforcements more than likely. Um, not only at center back, obviously, but also I think like they need a real backup number 10. If LaCelso ain't going to be that guy, because, Madison obviously is out and you know a lot of what you talked about with that midfield not being on it in this game I feel like comes just comes from them all playing different roles Sara was trying to play in that more advanced role like James Madison normally would it moves guys around that are un uncomfortable unfamiliar with what they have been doing through the first 10 games where it looked really good um so it's it's a tough nut to crack. I mean, you, when you don't have the bodies to bring in after guys go down with either injury or suspension, things have to change and they're probably going to change for the worse. Yeah. And, you know, the other kind of shout that I've seen for that 10 position is giving Donnelly a shot. And, you know, I've been watching a lot of the Academy games this season and he's undoubtedly doing really well at that level. I'm, I'm just not totally convinced that he's ready for Premier League level, um, especially he's had some finishing woes <laughs> um, with the academy team. And we, we need someone in that position who is going to be able to score as well as facilitate, you know. 
Yeah, no question. And asking a player to come in, you know, to to step into that role, especially when the team has just been flying to start the season, it, it it's a it's an interesting dynamic that I'm not sure everyone is quite ready for. Like that's a lot to ask, and you know, I, maybe I mean maybe it happens. Again, we've got the international break and kind of a a period here, especially for some of those players who, of course, won't be on international duty to maybe bet in a little bit more and for Ange to to work his magic on um at least that would be my hope and that's, <laughs> that's all we have right now is a little bit of hope that that this thing is gonna gonna get right um any anyone else you wanted to single out i mean brennan johnson congrats on his first goal like that was like the first five to ten to fifteen minutes looked pretty damn good in this game and we were like oh okay it was gonna fit like there were happy feelings in this game it just you know i feel like from that point on early on it just it kind of faded and never looked great and then the last you know 10 15 minutes were were the chaos that they were yeah i mean kudos to brendan for his goal it was a great move um from the whole team honestly but i think the key with him is just going to be putting in a 90 minute performance or well he didn't make the full 90 but you know what i mean um he, he faded a little bit let's say and the other thing I would say is just that I know Sun's been coming under a lot of criticism and I do, I feel disappointed that he really fumbled that chance near the end um, that really could have been a difference maker. But for the most part, I don't think he was getting the service um, to really be coming under this much criticism. You know, it's, it's clear that there's a big drop off between James Madison, you know, facilitating the goals and and the other options so obviously he's going to have to make some adjustments in the meantime um to his game but yeah i think in this case especially coming off of uh, a game where he really gave everything um it's it's got to be tough to be you know following that up with with a game like this you know against a wolves team that i think deserve a little bit of credit because they scored some great goals at the end and um, are a very organized team. So I think we have to show them some respect as well. Again, um, to, our, to our listeners, Caroline had no idea what was said in the pod portion of the podcast between Todd and I, but um, I both praised Wolves for being, you know, just a plucky, you know, tough, tough ground to play at as well. Uh, so credit to you for that. And then, um, you know, yeah, just a lot of the same points with Sun too. Like we, we never used to like, super criticize Harry Kane when he never got any service. And like now that he's getting all the service in the world at Bayern, obviously look what he's doing. Uh, you know, that as well as anyone being a, being a Bayern fan, like when, when, when these superstar players up top get service all the time, they tend to score a shit ton of goals. And, you know, all of a sudden, if Sonny's not getting anything around him, if everything's been changed with Madison's departure, um, even with Richarlison and his pressing ability, the way that Sun and, and Richarlison can both press, like those are things that create opportunities for guys like him. And if he's getting none of that over the course of a game and a half, this is what's going to happen. He's going to look pretty absent. So I, I can't really fully blame Sonny for that. Um, I, I don't know where else you, you would want to go in this game. When we talked midfield, we talked, I mean, do you want to have a, an Eric Dyer conversation at all with me? Do you want to have an Emerson Royale conversation with me? Um, do, do you care to chime in on either of those two kind of issues? We, we talked a little Ben Davis. Um, I thought Pedro Porro was actually pretty good in this game. Um, trying to, trying to play alongside Eric Dyer can't be easy. If you ask me, especially when you're the only guy in that back line with, you know, 
a whole ton of speed. I guess Emerson has some speed, but he was he was having his own issues on the left side all pretty much through the entire game um, and did not did not have a, a good afternoon, if you ask me. But uh, anything else you want to say about the defense and, and kind of how they looked? No, I would just echo that I thought Poro had a good game overall, and he's he's a player that you never can fault his effort and mentality. And so obviously perfect player for someone like Ange. Um, so, and obviously great assist for the goal as well, but I think those, those two late Wolves goals were just as much down to sort of the weakness and breakdown of the midfield as anything that the defense did. So it, it is what it is. No question about it. Uh, ask Villa next again, after the international break and kind of a, it's, we've reached hold on to your butt season. I mean, if you, if you want to take the macro view, um, that's uh, that's the other thing that we kind of touched on earlier is just that this feels like a new phase of the season. Like after the first 10 games, we've had these two, two games that have gone very poorly back to back and now international break. And it's like new phase of the season, get us these, these seven weeks to January and kind of see what can happen in that window. Um, is that, is that a fair way you think to, to kind of assess this, this picture going forward from the macro point of view? Yes. I think this stretch you know, up until sort of the new year when we're hoping that Madison and Vandevin will both be back. It's just about picking up points where you can. Um, <laughs> keeping the players who remain fit, I think is, you know, obviously a huge priority. So good luck to the sports science team with that. Um, but at least for the Aston Villa game, I think it might suit us a little bit better, you know, a little bit more open game. And at least we'll have Udagi back in the side um, I would assume he comes back into the the starting lineup and hopefully has learned a valuable lesson about not making unnecessary fouls. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, it is squeaky bum time. It feels like, and I don't love that Aston Villa is like the easy fixture in this next stretch. That does not feel good. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're damn good. Uh, you know, but it is what it is. It, you know, we, 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 as you said, it's good that we banked a, a quite a bit of points already in this season uh, for things to now get much, much more challenging. Um, let's shine a light on the women's team. Cause they played this morning. It's kind of why we kind of waited, you know, between schedules and everything um, <clears throat> to record this portion of the pod. But you know, the women go out and get a one, one draw against Liverpool. And this is another one that kind of felt like last week's match where you had a lead and then you allowed an equalizer and it just kind of didn't feel, I don't know, it, it didn't feel like they could really get their grasp on the game and take control of it at any one point. This was a really good game. There were a lot of good chances and a lot of back and forth. Um, but this one was just another one that kind of left a little bit of a sour taste afterwards for me. Yeah, and I wonder how my overall feeling about it might change if I had actually seen most of the first half. Um, but of course, Paramount Plus was not allowing that for all of us in the US. So that was really frustrating. Um, and obviously, I've now seen the highlight of Celine's goal, which was a fabulous, you know, solo effort. And I think she really needed the goal, you know, for her own confidence, because she's had had some tough finishing to start the season. Um, but I do think Liverpool were really, really smart about how they kind of dealt with our press and, you know, Martha Thomas, especially like, obviously this is now going to be the second game in a row that she hasn't scored, but 
it's, it's not for lack of trying on her part. You know, she was still very industrious and I think also super important in the goal and that she kind of made that distracting run to, to draw the defense away from Celine so that she could get that shot off. So, you know, still a good game from her. Um, it's, it's difficult because we on the women's side have now started to <laughs> get the injury bug coming in. So, you know, Luana Buhler had to go off at halftime because apparently she had kind of, I think, had a bit of a concern with her thigh going into the game. And ultimately at halftime, they decided to take her off out of precaution. Um, so Amy Turner made her first appearance of the season and it looked like it. Let's just put it that way. Um, although to be fair, she did start the half well. It just kind of devolved after that. Um, and then right at the end of the game in stoppage, Olga Atenen going down with what could be a serious knee injury. We don't know yet. Um, she did have to be taken off on the stretcher. So that that's really concerning because she's been, I think, honestly, our most transformative signing of the season, which probably sounds a little crazy since Martha Thomas has scored a ton of goals. But, you know, I don't think any of it would be possible if it weren't for Olga really just solidifying the midfield in a way that we didn't see last season so those are both you know two causes for concern and um I know you pointed out to me Andrew uh, an interview that Robert Villahan did after the game and he was talking about how important it is for the subs to be able to come in and kind of execute the same game principles as the usual starters so we can keep that consistent style of play and I think you know Kit Graham who started in place of Drew in this game because apparently Drew has picked up a hamstring issue and is going to be out a few weeks. Um, I thought she fitted in seamlessly, but this, the subs that we did see in the second half were not quite as effective, um, perhaps with the exception of Jess Naz, you know, who she's been pretty dependable this season, and she did have a good chance in this game. Um, but I think, you know, especially with, with Amy, he kind of said, I'm, I'm going to cut her some slack, basically, because this was her first appearance of the season. But at the same time, I feel like she kind of has form for conceding from that kind of aerial duel or lack thereof. Um, and we also had a really scary moment where she, you know, nearly had an own goal and kind of put Becky Spencer into a bit of bother. So I don't know that it's I think that the women's team, it's true that the subs have fitted in more seamlessly than we've seen kind of with this this men's side debacle, but it, there's still room for improvement. Yeah, it's interesting. When you listen to Robert Villaham after the match, he, he spoke about the the Bueller injury, and it sounded more like it was precautionary a little bit. Like they, they knew there was the issue. It was kind of a little bit of bother, so let's take her off. And it almost sounded not not planned, but he 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 said he wanted to get Amy Turner minutes and, and got her, you know, in and and yeah, you you do. It would be nice to have that option as well. Although you do lose a lot in terms of, like you said, height for aerial duels and and those kinds of things. Um, as for the injury to uh, to Adnan, it did not sound or look good, um, and and he kind of made it seem that way as well. He said it. it he you know, it doesn't. He's he's not going to speculate, obviously, but you know, it's like prayers up for her because we hope that that's not a thing. Um, but yeah, the other thing that he said in the in the post match, and I think this was kind of where it's at. He, he just was kind of blunt at the end and said, 
you know, this, they need a little bit more work in this system. And like, this is, it's kind of that reminder. And we do this similarly with the men's team is that like, these are both two new managers implementing their system and learning the players. And they're, you know, not all of the backup players are going to be players that were brought in for these specific managers in both instances on the men's and women's side. So it is something to like realize that this is early in a project and we've got to continue to build. And when we get some injury woes or, you know, as it, as is the case on the men's side, suspensions from foolishness, um, you, you've got to have other guys to step in. And none of those guys are, are, or, or gals for that matter, are these managers choices to, to come in. So it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a, a two, two steps forward, one step back situation until we can really be firing on all cylinders with both of these new managers in place. Right. And another thing he kind of pointed out was he's kind of needing to lean on the experience of some of the older players to, to serve as an example, because our squad has gotten younger this season compared to last, which, you know, is a positive thing overall, but you do see some of that inexperience coming out. Like for example, Grace Clinton, really important to the attack so far this season, but she's had a few kind of defensive blunders and, you know, I think she kind of went missing um, on, on the goal that we conceded to Liverpool. Cause uh, I think it was Daniels for Liverpool was just wide open in space where, where Clinton should have been tracking back from the attack. So um, th- things to work on, but at least the problems are very like identifiable and I think it's going to be, you know, not too difficult for Robert to kind of point out these sort of errors that are happening continually and work on them in training. So um, the other thing we should mention is that Ellie Brazil finally came back from her ACL injury. So uh, congrats to Ellie for making her season debut. And, you know, Robert did, indicated after the game that he said she has a very good chance of competing for a starting spot, which I thought was kind of interesting because in my head, I'm thinking, you know, really bad luck for her getting that injury, but her place at Tottenham is kind of in doubt, I would think, but maybe he sees some potential in her. So, um, you know, we'll see what comes of that, but yeah, a lot of still a lot of young players that just, um, they need some time. And I think it's it's good to be patient and kind of like with the men's team. Um, obviously, they had two losses and now the women have had two draws in a row. But it's not been catastrophic to our table standing. I don't think it's going to be catastrophic in the long run. So just keeping a calm head. I'm glad you brought up like the young players and kind of the new faces as well, because the other thing I wanted to shout out is that Ash Neville had another incredible game and has has been really kind of quietly just having a really consistent run here in the early part of the season and playing really damn well and, and almost going under the radar, which is kind of weird because I still think that she's probably the best, you know, just on talent alone, you know, with Beth England, not in the side right now on talent alone. I think Ash Neville is still probably the best player on this team and doesn't really like, hasn't really gotten the shine. Hasn't really needed the shine, but like is, is having a really good start to this season. So I just wanted to shout that out as well. Definitely. And I think she's also being asked as ever to do a lot in this side, um, you know, cause obviously we know she's very positionally versatile, but like I kind of alluded to, you've got young players all around her that kind of need not just some guidance, but also a little bit of cover. And she's provided that, you know, when she can. And I agree. I think she had a really strong game. Molly Bartrip as well. Also been very solid this season. 
And it was interesting that, you know, the England manager, Serena Vigman, was in the crowd uh, watching on today, you know, presumably keeping an eye on Grace Clinton, who just recently got her first call up. But I know Robert is really pushing for, for Molly to get her first call up as well. And similar to what I would say on the men's side, if you would have taken 12 games and 26 points in a top four spot at the start of the season, I'm on board with that. If you look at six matches played on 11 points in third place, I think six matches in on the women's side, everyone would have said, hey, that sounds not too bad. Let's let's get to that start. Even after the last two matches where eh, a little bit of a, you know, kissing your sister vibe with the with the draws so um it, which are which are which are both disappointing ones where you went ahead first and then gave up an equalizer so i think the vibes are still we still gotta like put things in check of hey this is this is okay we're still building something and it's early going on that yeah brand new manager and it, it sure beats being in the relegation fight so <laughs> let's put it that way and that the signs are still good for improvement and growth. And, you know, like Villaham said, they need they need a little bit more, you know, polish, uh, a little more training on on what we're doing here and to figure it all out. And that's that's just kind of that's the case. And that's and I think we're all comfortable with that. Yeah. And and Beth England still to come back. So we've got that to look forward to. That's kind of the mood, though. It's patience and pragmatism at this point, because the, both of these teams are, you know, they're still growing and they're still, it's still the early going of a project. And uh, I just think we're, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that vibe of like, let's all tap the brakes and not panic. Things are, you know, fire alarms are sounding a little bit, but we'll just, you know, we'll fix the problem and we'll move on. That's, that's where I'm at. Same. Yep. Just, it's time to have some patience and some trust, I think in these, these new managers. And also with the women's side, we've got Beth England still to come back. So, you know, it's, there, there are good times on the horizon. We just gotta, gotta wait a little bit. No question about it. Uh, next up for the Spurs women is a trip to Leicester. That is on Sunday uh, in WSL action. Then a few days after that, they get back into the Conti Cup. So um, we will look forward to those matches uh, in the coming days and weeks as the men go on an international break. Have more, more exciting plans for international football. These international breaks are killing me. I'm telling you, it's so much, so much international football. We're only like what 12 games into the the Premier League season on the men's side. It's 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 getting quite annoying, but it is what it is. I guess they got to cram it all in before the holidays. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Tottenham Depot. Uh, be sure to rate and review in your podcast app of choice. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot on all the socials. Follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow me at Aestetka. Until next week, we'll be back with you with another edition. This has been the Tottenham Depot. As always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>